Once upon a time, your kitchen table was a place for your daily meals. Your crunchy cornflakes and the first cup of coffee to wake you up. Or maybe a grease-spotted place piled up with wine bottles, crumbled plates and board games after a night with friends. Still, your kitchen table is just this place. But more has been added to its story. Now your co-workers join the table, sitting just across from you, but smiling back from a screen. Hi, Cecil. How's it going? And you have ripped your hair out of your skull, glaring and hunching over the laptop because your screaming children running around the table didn't get that your deadline for this task was way overdue. Some offices are now open once again, and your children might be back in kindergarten and school. But even so, the silence around the kitchen table slowly settles in, whispering, please come join me once again. And after all, it is kind of intriguing now that you also shared so many wonderful times together. Studies show that more than half of office workers post-COVID-19 want to have one or two days working remote. And this is even though some of our good old office spaces once again have welcomed us with open arms. Obviously, the flexibility of working from home has taken a special place in our hearts. But how can we ensure that we keep performing instead of slacking? And what does the amazing hybrid workplace actually look like? Welcome to Work 3.0 by Learning Bank. A podcast about our future workplace where we will dig deep into the trends and give you valuable tips to create the best workdays. My name is Cecil Kuhnerko and I'll be your host today. Today, I've been joined by a very special guest, Jim Harder, who is Chief Scientist of Workplace and Wellbeing at Gallup. And Jim is joining us on a remote connection from Nebraska in the United States. So uh, welcome to you, Jim. Thanks, Cecil. Great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. And uh, the reason why I asked you to join me today is because we will talk about the new hybrid workplace that has really been kicking off after the lockdowns during the global COVID-19 pandemic. But firstly, I want to know if you yourself are working in a hybrid workplace at Gallup at the moment. And maybe uh, because we just we just talked before we started the recording uh, about that you might have a dog in the background. So, <laughs> so maybe... Uh, that uh, that says it all. You heard Stan making his opinions count. Yes. Yeah, I, I have worked hybrid the whole time, um, almost 100% remote early on, of course, during the when the pandemic hit, and then and it was an easy easy transition for me, given what I do. But um, now I'm more hybrid. I'm in the office, you know, a day or day or two here and there, and I'm uh, I work from home mostly, though. Okay, mostly from home. Uh, and why is that? I've got everything set up um, to do these kinds of interviews, to work with our team. We work really well on Zoom. Um, we have a lot of informal time to um, our teams or whatever uh, tool that we use. But um, it's worked well um, in person. It's hard to replace, but we get some of that. Um, but we're trying to be safe as well. So I've got everything set up at home and it's comfortable and um, I can be very productive here. Okay, so you thrive yourself uh, now in this hybrid situation. I do. I think I, I have more kind of continuous focus time. Um, I do probably work more hours. I think a lot of people have, have found that as well. That it's it's uh, probably tempting to work a lot more hours because you've got – I we, we build our house and uh, right before the COVID hit, and I have had an office space built for this kind of work, so it, it worked out well for me. 
Okay, that's nice to know. Um, so what did your workplace look like before COVID-19? Was there any kind of hybrid structure or what does it look like? Our, our company, um, Gallup, has always we've been kind of ahead of the, t- the times, I guess, because we've always had a hybrid work structure in our organization. Um, and I've been with the company 36 years. Yes. And it's it's always been um, we call it we call it flex time. Um, but uh, the key the key for us has always been, you know, you've got to be productive, get work done. If you get work done, doesn't matter where you're at. Um, or how often you come in the office when we have, you know, guests in the office, of course, we're there for them, um, clients and do teaching and a lot of in-person events as well. But, um, it was an easy transition for us because we've always been hybrid. In fact, the, uh, the workplace in general was asking for more flex time, Okay, um, workers were at, were at, they're asking that. Um, so this kind of, you know, magnified everything and, and made it more immediate, but It had been a trend in workplaces, for sure. Okay, great. So most of the employees at Gallup actually work in this hybrid structure now. Yeah, we've got employees all over the world. And and again, even before the pandemic, we had a hybrid work environment. Of course, the working from home part is a lot more extreme now, but um, we'll transition back and forth pretty easily. And now for the maybe more scientific and data-driven questions, because you are, after all, the chief scientist of workplace and well-being at Gallup, uh, which you just said that you have been for 36 years, right? 36 years at Gallup, yeah. That's amazing. So um, what does research say about the hybrid workplace? For example, I saw uh, that some of your most recent research showed that employees who worked 100% remote were more lonely. Can you say a little bit more about that? Early on in the pandemic, yeah, um, the people who who worked primarily from home reported higher levels of loneliness, and um, that gap though has kind of uh, shrunk since then. So there must must have been some adjustment. People were able to accommodate for it. It could very well be that we don't know all the reasons. We kind of hypothesized some of them. One of them um, might be that you know when when things started to open up again, that the, the lonely people were the first ones to go back, you know, too. But, um, I think there's probably also an acclimation, uh, where, where people, uh, just found ways to, uh, to connect with people in different ways than they had before. And, uh, so yeah, that gap closed, but early on. So I think we need to be wary of that, you know, when we go from one extreme to the other, that you're going to have some people that are lonely and, and the role of the manager is really important okay. in connect in connecting people. You know, before the before COVID hit, about 25% percent um, here in the U.S. at least were um, working at least somewhat remote, at least some of the time, and that jumped up to 65% percent at peak. And that includes everybody, even the people that can't work remote. Okay. Um, so, but like I said earlier, that that trend um, in terms of what em- employees wanted in a workplace had kind of started. Um, And it was a differentiator for them in terms of employers that they would pick. And I think technology plays a role in that. Yeah. You know, work and life are more blended than ever before. And uh, people realize that and and they want some flexibility so that they're not, you know, working 24-7. Sure. So do you have any even more research that are interesting in terms of the hybrid workplace? Yeah, we've we've been studying it a lot. Those trends I noted earlier are kind of interesting in that um, if you ask people what they're doing now, you get, you get, you know, an answer in terms of, you know, you get about 
two and 10 exclusively remote in the current state, uh, another two and 10 hybrid, and then six and 10 on site. This is when we measured it in October. We'll be updating that study first quarter. So if your listeners uh, go to gallup.com, you'll see continuous updates of those data. And we're also be coming out with a a state of the global workplace report um, in June. Okay. We'll be accumulating all of our global data. But when you compare the current state to preference, um, you get a lot more people that want some type of a hybrid environment, about half of people. So t- it goes from two and 10 that currently work in a hybrid environment to, uh, five and 10 who want it. Mm. Um, and only three and 10 want on site. and currently six and 10 are, are say they're, they're on site. Um, so, um, that current state preference and then, um, ma- matching that with what people expect their employer to do is really important for employers to consider. I mean, they can, they can make rules and say where people need to be, but if, if they don't have a discussion about, about why Mm. and about, you know, go through some of the reasons um, and and have a kind of joint discussion with the individual that should include really the organizational culture that you're trying to build um, the team requirements, the individual's own, own job requirements, the customer of course, and, and what meets their needs. And then the individual's employee situation is important to consider as well. So I think those those aspects need to be uh, managers need to have conversations with people about it because if you don't, we found that gap um, when there's a gap between preference and reality, you get higher intentions to leave the organization, you get higher burnout, you get uh, lower well being in general, and you get lower engagement even. Mm. Um, so there's some resent there can be some resentment and people have choice right now in most parts of the world they've got a lot more choice in terms of employment than they had before. Yeah. So to me, that's what's imp- what's most interesting is is how you you know how we think about having the kinds of discussions where we can do what's right for the individual and the organization at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And uh, now you mentioned that you actually perform better uh, in this hybrid situation. And if we talk a little bit more about performance, is there any research that shows how people performed under the lockdowns? Did they perform better or worse or? Yeah. Well, our closest proxy to performance is really how engaged people are. And we did see um, early on um, a, a, Here in the U.S., we saw an increase in engagement. There's a lot of during 2020. There's a lot of fluctuation, a lot of ups and downs. Okay. Um, the uh, uh, more than we've ever seen before. The biggest uh, drop in engagement was was more associated with uh, some of the societal unrest that happened in the U.S. in 2020, but it bounced back pretty quickly. Okay. Um, so at the end of the year um, in 2020, there was actually a slight uptick tick in employee engagement, but globally we saw a decline. So it's not the same everywhere. No, uh, so it was a, a a United States thing. Yeah, but but we have seen a decline this year. Uh, so in 2021, we just aggregated all of our 2021 data, and we did see a decline there. It just kind of trailed the global pattern. But uh, so I, I would argue at this point in time, productivity probably has uh, dropped a little bit, and a lot of that has to do. You know, my situation is probably different because I was kind of set up to work this way. Yeah. Um, but for most, for a lot of people, um, the connection with their manager and um, th- their ability to for, for managers to coach people appropriately in this environment, we need to. We need to. I would argue we need to shore up those skills a little bit. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, managers need to move more from a mentality of boss or manager to coaching. And to coach people effectively, they've got to continuously set goals. 
with them in, in this kind of environment, they don't, you know, they, they can't walk around and see people, right. If they're, if they're in a, if they're in a remote environment anyway, but, um, what they can do is connect with people and have at least one meaningful conversation every week with them that, that discusses their goals and, and whether those need to be adjusted or not and involve them in setting their goals, have the right kind of uh, conversations about their work, their life situation, everything that's going on, and uh, have what I call meaningful conversations with them. And then also accountability. There needs to be a system where you know there's, there's some accountability so that people know how well they're doing relative to other people and and get some feedback on that and, and to keep it pretty developmental. But th- there has to be, you know, I had, I had a lot of people ask me during the pandemic, how do we measure performance? And my mm. my question back to them how, is, how did you measure it before? True. But, um, but th- there are some criteria to use in terms of accountability around uh, both the individual's own performance, um, the how they collaborate with their team, and then what value they bring to customers is really important. So I think people can be held accountable on those three aspects, and uh, it's important for managers to have the right kind of ongoing conversations and to have the skills yes. to, to do that effectively so it doesn't feel awkward. So they need to develop even more soft skills, maybe. Yeah, I'd, I'd call it soft skills with some pretty hard consequences because okay. if you if if you uh, if you do the soft skills right, you do increase performance. Okay, and you, you increase retention rates. And you know, people want their opinion to matter. They they want to be recognized when they do good work. They want to have a chance to do what they do best. Uh, but kind of a key a way to speed up the conversations or to have more efficient conversations or a shortcut to having good conversations is through an individual's strengths. Um, so we've developed some measurement around strengths so that organizations is a tool called Clifton strengths that a lot of people listening probably have take most groups. I'm in, they, at least somebody has had some, some familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. But can you elaborate a bit on it? Yeah, we found through our historic research of individual differences that there are 34 Uh, traits that we can measure um, and give people feedback on what their strengths are so that they can start with who they are from an innate perspective and, and build um, their goals, what they do best around their strengths. And then also know something about the people that they work with and their strengths. It speeds up conversations and uh, makes the conversations more productive because you're not expecting each person to develop in the same way or to perform in exactly the same way, because we're all different. Anybody that has multiple kids in their family knows that, you know, they didn't, unless they're identical twins, they probably didn't have very different personalities. So you might think of it as, as sort of like personality, but it's the part that we're less likely to change. That's, that's more innate. You know, some people are more analytical than others. Some people are, mm. some people are a bit more strategic thinking than others. Um, and so those, those differences, they kind of group into four categories. Um, those strengths do, but Uh, some of them are about relationships and how we build relationships differently. Um, some people need to, you know, really crave making new friends continuously. Other people want deeper relationships with the people they are, they already know. And that's, that's important to know about somebody in a remote environment, right? Yes. Because it could, could relate to that loneliness factor we talked about earlier. Mm. So it helped, not only helps a manager get to know and, and develop someone appropriately, but it can also, um, help uh, individual employees on a team um, have productive discussions with each other and, uh, and know how to recognize other people and, and all that. Um, mm. the, the other thing I, I, f- I found that managers kind of overlook is just asking people how they like to be recognized. You know, mm. what's the, yeah. what's the best recognition you've ever received? And um, 
they learn a lot just from that simple question about somebody. Yeah, sure. And then they can adjust it instead of just assuming everybody wants the same. Mm, and it's a very simple question to ask. Yeah, very simple. Furthermore, new data from LinkedIn's Global Talent Trends report show that there has been a 304% spike in job titles related to hybrid work since the pandemic began. You know, job titles like hybrid workplace, uh, flexibility lead and director of hybrid working and VP of employee engagement and flexible work. What are your thoughts on, on these new titles? It's an interesting finding. Uh, it makes sense because uh, there are so many jobs that are different. You know, we still have a, a chunk of jobs that can't be done in a hybrid kind of environment, but um, a lot of them can, and a lot more than what we probably thought. Um, I call this um, last couple of years the uh, a big forced experiment. You know, where people had to try things a little bit differently. In some ways, they learned that well, I can save some commute time and do more focused work um, or um, they might have found that they 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 do miss the in-person time but they don't need to have it all the time um, we did a study of um, where we asked people a whole series of questions about how they spend their social time and uh, one of the findings was that in-person time was the most important this is this was um, I mean our video is a lot better now than it was then so that would probably be a factor and we probably need to conduct that study again sometime soon, but, mm. uh, in-person time was the most important time, uh, type of social time, but the total of time, total amount of time didn't matter as much as the fact that you actually just do it. And I mm. think there's a, there's a trust component to that, right? Sure. Um, the in-person, it's hard to replace the in-person, uh, time and, and how you build trust with people. And I think it's particularly been an issue with new employees in organizations. So um, the the title changes, I guess, makes sense, but it also uh, speaks to maybe some how organizations are thinking more permanently about yeah um, about hybrid work as opposed to just assuming it's going to go away once if 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 and when the pandemic is under control. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of organizations that I've talked with have have thought about you know it in a more permanent way, and uh, there's been a lot of it's kind of forced us to sit back and think about what works and what doesn't. Definitely. And uh, now you have already mentioned uh, the manager's role as very important to create uh, the best hybrid workplace. But do you have even more tips to create the very best hybrid workplace out there? Well, I just reiterate, it's really important to know the strengths of the people that you're working with, yeah. because you can you can just you can do it much more effectively. Um, you're not working uphill quite as much. Um, and to know um what types of conversations you need to have with, with each person so that they are meaningful conversations. And, you know, all the factors that we've studied that relate to, or most that relate to uh, thriving well-being and engaging work have some situational component to them. And managers are in the position where they can get to know the situations of each person they manage and, and, and adjust for that. And they're really the only ones that can. So that's why the role of manager is so important because, Uh, so much of what motivates us is is situational the si the situation that we are in mm. managers uh you know their first job i think is to build trust because then they can open the door to have bigger conversations around the individual's life and how the workplace can provide some resources for their overall life beyond engaging them at work but it, it really has to start with 
the work component first and making sure that people have clear expectations and have what they need to do their work. Some basics like that that often get overlooked mm. that they, like we said earlier, that they got that they get recognized when they do good work and that they can see their, their future in the organization. Um, many, uh, many managers uh, overlook the part about development where they have a, they have a chance to help someone see what their future could be in the organization. About mm. two thirds of people who change jobs, change companies, unfortunately. Um, so mm. they, they see their development somewhere else. And yeah. uh, building a real so it's important that you still develop people and give give them new skills to do their jobs even better. Yeah, and you have to be really intentional about that if you don't see them every day. Mm. The other the other thing that I think gets overlooked for managers is the uh, informal part of work that that happens in person kind of naturally, and to make sure you build in some of the informal kind of conversations with people on a continuous basis, we we do that ourselves we, we start meetings very informally where we um, just talk about what's going on in our lives and um, make sure we have some time for that but also we we schedule we have this this group at Gallup um, that we formed called neurons okay where it's a bunch of bunch of us researchers that get together for an hour and a half and just talk about it, it might not, not, not even be work related but we pick a topic and we kind of try to get as deep into it as we can yeah and we have fun and uh, I, I think that part has to be maintained in a remote environment or people start kind of separating mentally yeah. from work, that distance between work. We, we studied also the number of days people work and the four day work week um, has kind of come up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure it's as relevant in a hybrid environment because, because in a hybrid environment, people have choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that ultimately what you want is autonomy built into people's work days. So they have some choice, but um, in that research, we found that, people with a four day work week actually were a little bit more disengaged okay. than people with a five day. So I think that that That's separation between work and life, they, they had a little bit higher well being though. So there's a, there's a paradox there. Yeah. That's kind of interesting to dig into, but, um, I think that that's probably the right solution for some people, mm-hmm. but probably not everybody, you know, some people would get frustrated if they couldn't work on a, you know, a, three days in a row or, you know, because they want to get something done for Monday or mm. what, whatever their situation is. I, I do a lot of writing. I, I, it would frustrate me if I couldn't write when I had a thought in my head. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, 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 um, anyway, that's kind of a side topic, but I think it's, it's important to think about, you know, ultimately what do people want out of work? They want some autonomy. They want, they want, yeah, sure. um, they want it. Most people want to be productive and they want the resources to be productive and they want to work with colleagues that they, that they trust and that they, um, they admire. Yeah, sure. And uh, another question, uh, if we twist the question around, actually, what are your best tips on what not to do when creating a hybrid workplace? I think you, I think it's easy to overschedule things and to have, uh, having recurring meetings can work sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you just, uh, people get, stuck in too many meetings because they get overscheduled or you might think you need to check in with every person every day mm. to make sure that they're being productive or whatever it might be. Um, everybody's you know a little different in terms of, um, so you might have one, one, uh, employee who or associate who has high focus and you just know that you don't have to check in with them every day. If, if you have a meaningful conversation with them once a week at minimum, then they're going to be productive because, because they're going to be absorbed in their work. Right. You might need someone else who does need to be reminded more often. And they know that, mm. but to have open conversations with people about how often 
the, uh, to check in and how, how often, um, so we found there are like five conversations that are really important to have with people and they need to kind of be individualized during a day throughout their, their tenure in the organization, okay. not, not, not five total, but five types of conversations. So you've okay. got, you think about it as kind of semi-annually, you need to be having these five conversations uh, in different increments. So you've got the, you got a role in relationship orientation where you're really kind of setting them up for their work and, and who they're working with and what their role is. That's the initial part. That's kind of a slow down conversation. Then you, you've got what many people considered the annual review. Uh, we'd argue that should be semi-annual, but it's another slow down conversation where people, we have a chance to really sit down with somebody and, and get deep into the kind of work that they're doing and, and their success and their development and, and all that. Then there's three in the middle that need to be more like those meaningful more re- recurring conversations that uh, are quick connects that basically you're just uh, checking in with somebody, seeing how they're doing, connect, connecting with them and seeing if there's anything you need that they need help with or anything that, uh, or even give them some quick recognition if, if they did something. And then there's a, there's also a check-in, which um, might entail 15 to 30 minutes where you're actually going through some of their goals and, and adjusting goals as, as work changes, which changes quite a bit nowadays. And then there are developmental conversations that can actually change someone's whole career because they may have done something they didn't even know was, was, uh, you know, they might not have even considered something that they did as that special, but, it, but it might be uh, dramatically different than what somebody else on the team did and, and very helpful. So, um, or it might be something they recognized that they, they did that was, that was very successful. And, and you remind them of, of that and, um, you help them think about how they can develop into the future. And in some, in many cases, even when you've already built some trust with an employee, you can have uh, critical conversations with them and, the, and they'll take it to heart, uh, because, um, you're in it for their best interest. So these are all, you know, types of conversations that, uh, that when we're upskilling managers, we can, we can teach them, you know, what the science says about it, but we can also, uh, help them practice having those conversations. And then some light bulbs go off and they, they say, well, I got ahead of an issue here that, that would have really manifested into something that I would have had to fix later. Or, um, I get some real fulfillment out of what I'm doing for this, this associate that, that I'm working with, because I can help them see, you know, how they can become, um, very impactful into the future in our organization, or even see different paths that they could take in the organization. I think going through those conversations helps helps the manager as much as it helps the uh, the employees. Yeah. So the the final tips on what not to do actually ended up being more tips on what to do. So that's what so that's do. what yeah. that's very nice to end on this. Unfortunately, we are, we are out of time, uh, Jim. But thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a true pleasure and very insightful. Thanks for having me, Sitzel. My name is Cecil K. Nørgaard, and this episode was brought to you by Learning Bank, your next-generation learning management system built for today's workforce. Stay tuned for our next episode about the Great Resignation and the burnout pandemic. Thanks for listening.